But like he said, insisting like, well, you know, we're Pakistani, so you must marry a Pakistani girl or boy, or we are Egyptian or Nigerian, and you must marry a Nigerian or an Egyptian, you know, boy or girl. If you're in Nigeria, it makes sense, especially in a in a place where it's pretty much homogenous. But you're in America. I think again that kind of fealty to your culture is going to come at the price sure. of the continuity of Islam in your family. So the the reverse, you know, a, a, a mental process of reversing that type of thinking is instead of what if they what if this happens in the negative light? What if this happens? What if that happens? They get divorced. They're not happy. All these issues that you that we conjure up. And we're not, you know, that's way into the future that we don't even have no idea about. We might think of the process of, well, what if they're happ- happily married forever? Uh, what if they have great grandchildren? Or uh, what if they have this great life that, what if, why, why don't we think oppositely <laughs> into the what if positive mm-hmm. instead of this what if negative? Welcome back to the Middle Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Imam Mark from Middle Ground Muslim Center. In this episode, episode 8, I'll be joined again by Brother Dawood Aleman. And despite all of the things going on in the world and our hearts aching for the people of Palestine and Gaza, we still feel that we have an obligation of Muslims living here in this part of the world, or really anywhere, to still deal with the realities of life. And so in this episode, we're going to begin a conversation about community. And inshallah, after laying out some broad strokes of how we think about community, where we think it's at, what we think it ought should, what it ought to be, and where it should go, and where do we want to go, the first part that we're going to really touch upon is marriage because it's something of extreme importance to us. Uh, whether we are uh, dealing with people who are, you know. Pers- Prospective in terms of you know looking for a mate, looking for a husband or a wife, and be that as uh, our kids, or even for people that have divorced and are looking for a way to uh, remarry, because many people feel ostracized and cut off from the community uh, due to their experience of divorce, and so we want to look uh, at community first off through the lens of marriage. So. As always, leave us a comment and some feedback, and we hope, inshallah, you enjoyed this episode. I think we should be uh, good to go here. All right, so this... uh you might have to get some security on this joint. Yeah, well, that the topic is uh, is controversial for for many. Might have to go on the witness protection program for, for this one, bro. For me, it's not so controversial. <laughs> I'm pretty open it's to con- it. It's not controversial for either of us, but the way it might be received. Uh, yeah, we you you definitely you might need some uh, <laughs> witness protection <laughs> housing. Um, the concept of marriage is just. And mar- marriage outside of maybe your ethnicity, um, f- for many in our community, uh, is is anathema, man, like, and an enigma for some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so puzzling how uh, lovers 
fall in love outside of their their ethnic group. Oh man, so and, this is an adult program. These are lovers. Okay, you so. know, and, well, and, and the thing is, is, is we can re- resort back to the ayah. This muhabba and this love, and the, it, yeah, yeah. It, it comes from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. wa rahmah. And Allah says what that woman ayatihi and khalaqalakum min anfusikum asvajan that amongst the very signs that God exists, right? Amongst the very signs that Allah Taala exists is that He has created for you a mate. So when we're talking about lovers. Man, I didn't know we was gonna go with the quiet storm hey on this now. joint, man. <laughs> let me let me put some vinyl on and get the background music going, you know. But in, you know, all jokes aside, that you know, it's um, you know, it's an enormous thing. Mm. But you know, we had you know the 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 you know bringing it right to the topic of marriage. But actually, when we were brainstorming, we were saying like we want to talk about community, mm. right? And paint some broad strokes to kind of wet the palate to talk about uh, community because in reality, as I've said I, I, again, now that I'm in this you know imam position, I hear and I've and I've been hearing this even before as imam. Mm. I've been hearing this since I've been Muslim. You know, community, 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 but it remains kind of an abstract concept. For many of us, and I think that only encourages a type of mentality of the kind of McMansion idea. Like, I just want to show up, and I want to have everything built. For mm. those who are old enough to remember Bull Durham, right? If you build it, they will come. You know, <laughs> yeah. now some of y'all are gonna have to Wikipedia, and, and you're gonna have to go on YouTube and find out what that is. But the idea of, you know. Building it and then people will show up versus I want everything prefabricated. And so we tend to talk a lot about community uh, from a very abstract way. Mm. But the example that I said, you know, think think of community as like a reservoir and how a reservoir is different than a so-called natural or uh, as I would like to say, God-made lake. Mm. A lake is something that Allah Ta'ala made and shaped through the forces of of his creation. Where a reservoir is something that man makes. It can look just like a lake, and it can function in some ways like a lake. Mm-hmm. But one is how Allah Ta'ala made it, and it's therefore a sign for us to believe in him and and to benefit from and so on. And then the, the second is it's intentional. You know, <clears throat> no reservoir... Uh, I mean, we would call if it's if it's if it was natural, we just call it a lake. But there's something beautiful, and just because something is man-made doesn't mean that it has to be ugly or mm. repugnant. And that Allah Taala has blessed us with, you know, intellect and capacity <clears throat> to shape the world that we live in, um, not just simply to our whims, but that will bring out the best outcome. For us, right as as believers, as Muslims, and, and and as humans, and so I think it might be helpful to use kind of uh, since we did a parable of the cave with Navid, you know, a parable of of of, of the reservoir or the like the, the idea of what is a reservoir again using this as a kind of a, an, an analytical tool to analyze what is community. 
And so a reservoir is is something that people build, and it can have many different functions. It can mm. be to trap water so that you have a constant water source. It can be to avert maybe some type of so-called natural disaster, like maybe an area that's prone to flooding, and so you build a reservoir. Um, it can be like you, know, you can stock it with fish, and so you can have a food supply. Uh, it can be used for recreation. Uh, people enjoy being on the water and near the water. And so, you know, it's put there at the service of the people that make it. But then it has to be maintained, as you know, like with any lake any or reservoir. The water there is prone to uh, needing to be purified somehow or become stagnant mm-hmm. and it won't support life. And it won't. in the case of, of a reservoir in particular, it won't support the objectives of the reason why the people built it. And then also it is prone to evaporation. And so how does it get replenished? Mm-hmm. And so using that as kind of a, a metaphor to talk about community, I think our community has, has been partially, and I might even dare say largely, happenstance obviously our community didn't it's not natural like we're all here because we're all here but i think once we kind of showed up that's where things sort of stopped or have stalled and so we often lament about the community is like this or it's not like that or we want this or we don't have that or we shouldn't have that and we have to realize well nobody's going to do that except for us mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, nobody's going to do that work for, except for us. So I think if we're going to then to extrapolate out from that as a, you know, talking about community from a broad uh, point of view, well, if we're going to particularly talk about the idea of purification and replenishing to purify our community, which is ourselves, and to replenish our community, which means somebody to ultimately replace us because we're all not going to be here for forever. Mm. That we have to talk about marriage. Marriage is going to be a means of purification individually and communally. Mm-hmm. But then it's also going to be a means of replenishing. Because if we don't get married and don't have kids and they don't replace us, well, then the community, like a reservoir or a lake, is going to dry up. Right. So the the idea here is is facilitating as you mentioned, this reservoir and facilitating the means uh, for marriage for the youth that we have in the community. And it's often not found so convenient, so easily done. And and a lot of, for lack of better words, missed opportunities because we're not facilitating and maintaining this reservoir. And like you mentioned, the reservoir has utility. And all of us are part of this community, and we need to maintain this utility and foster these open or maintain an open dialogue where people can can commune and, hey, you know what, my daughter so-and-so, yeah. And, you know, the women of our community usually uh, facilitate that, but the networking opportunities aren't so abundant, I, I would say. And they're, they're, the utility, yeah, we're showing and what, up. And, 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 <laughs> well, well, I don't know how much of us are showing up. Well, that's it. 
I'll be honest, you know, I mean, we're we're sitting, I mean, I get it, it's, you know, Wednesday afternoon, it's 4 o'clock, people are at work, but if we were even to stay here until 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and of course, okay, fine, middle ground isn't your typical masjid, we're not even really a masjid per se, we're more like a prayer space, secondarily, and primarily like an educational, socializing space. But if you go to most of the masjid, they're empty. You know, sure. They're empty. And so I think we have to uh, analyze why are people absent? You know, And some of that will undoubtedly involve maybe there's some things they're not getting. Mm. Okay, fine. There's some type of service or need that are people not getting. But I also believe some of that will also be to some misplaced expectations. You know, the masjid isn't, you know, it's not Walmart. It doesn't have everything. It's not a one-stop shop for everything. <laughs> um, and then two, it's not it's not Walmart because, you know, we just don't, it doesn't get stocked by staff of work. It's stocked by us. We have to populate it. There you go. And so I feel, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I think in the early in the early 2000s, I have to look it up. There was this documentary put out called Unmossed. Okay. Remember this documentary? If Remember you mentioning it? You know, <laughs> I don't think well, I saw it was it. this. But I was that was pretty wild, yeah. You know, uh, let's see if I just Google this really Unmossed documentary. If it comes up with some, so okay, sure. wow, it was actually more recent than I thought. 2014. Okay, so it was this documentary that was put out talking about people that no longer felt comfortable to come to the masjid. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, you know, like, I hate to say it, man, but this is like some real like millennial Gen Z type weak sauce of like, well, I don't come to masjid because I, well, and I'm not saying that to excuse bad behavior. There are, uh, in, I mean, even as imam, sometimes I get mistreated in my own space. Man. You know, <laughs> um, that being said, I will not be driven away from the masjid by anybody. And that's not just because I'm imam, even before I was imam. I mean, I I dealt with uh, unsavory personalities before, but I'm not going to be driven away. And that's what I meant about, yes, we can, you know, know, we can can make a survey and try to figure out what are some of the things people are looking for. But I think part of that honest conversation has to be, you you need to shelve or table some of your unrealistic expectations. Mm. Because this is not a restaurant. You just don't get to put in an order or, you know, it's not like when Harry met Sally where she wants sauce on the side for everything. I mean, you know, we have to, what are we here for? And so if we're having a problem with people being here, you know, it, it, we can't, it can't be so simple as everybody's just a victim of bad behavior. Right. I think also people have become, they have become people, they have become creatures of comfort. You know, maybe, I mean, I think I became Muslim a little bit before you, Mm -hmm. but I remember back in the 90s, there weren't masajid everywhere. Of course, I wasn't out here in California. I was back in Michigan. But where I was, there were not masajid everywhere. Most certainly, it was like no halal food anywhere. There might be like one halal meat market. Mm -hmm. It, It was very limited. Where now, I mean, you can go to, you know, for those of us that live in California, you can go to Albertsons or Vons and you can find halal meat. Yeah. 
you know, you can find halal ground beef. <laughs> you can find halal grass-fed ground beef and lamb in, or if you live in the Midwest, like a Kroger, like just a regular general supermarket. Right. And then, alhamdulillah, that we've made those kinds of, you know, those kinds of progressions. But I think if we, you know, community, we have to get back to the idea of we need all hands on deck, and it has to be an intentional effort. Yeah. yeah. And it can't just be all about belly aching that I, you know, I, I wanted, I didn't want ranch dressing, I wanted honey ranch dressing, and I wanted it, you know, sauce on the side, and this, you know, what are we here for? Because this kind of disposition, the people that are going to really suffer for it are going to be the new crop of converts who don't have anywhere to go and don't have anybody to meet and don't have anybody to socialize with and don't have anybody to cement their Islam with. And then our kids. Right. Now, this becomes a – and I'll be honest. I, I didn't – you know, when I became Muslim, I wasn't um, – maybe I just didn't know better, but – as I mentioned before, I would just barge my way into <laughs> to, to brothers' conversation. Yeah, assalamu alaikum, Ak. What's going on? Uh, my name's Daoud, so and so, and blah blah blah. And you know, we I would just exchange. I got I, I involved myself uh, because I took the onus of this religion uh, and this community as something you know, like this is me, this is part of me, and I'm going to be involved with it and engage. Um, cause I have no other, you know, like I left all that lifestyle behind me, you know, I'm a boulevard brother. So yes. yeah, I got off the street and right. then, you know, I'm in the masjid. That's where yeah. my feet are. Yeah. And so, you know, brothers there, not there, their group, the Arab group, Pakistani group, whatever I'm with it. <laughs> and so, you know, eventually brothers just start to accept me and whatnot. Oh, that's brother. Dode. Yeah, he's good. Um, so I didn't, I didn't come from that, that, uh, cut of, Oh, my feelings are hurt. Oh, these brothers really didn't give me the time of day. Man, I didn't care. We get down, we pray, uh, we break bread. And, you know, I, I get it. You're, you're on your, you go there or you, you're at that part of the masjid with your circle. But, yeah, I, I, I really didn't. I, it just blew over my head that there is this kind of maybe little bit of segregation, if you will. But, um yeah, I, I didn't let it bother me. So, you know, I'm I'm always amazed when you tell me certain things about, uh, you know, the the yeah. different generations and their issues. I'm like, issue? What's up with that, bro? Just, yeah, just yeah. Uh, you know, get it, get involved. And that was the whole thing. I didn't want to bring problems to the masjid that we, you should be, they should be doing this. Who's they, anyways? It's my masjid, right, so right. I come with solutions. Hey, we need to do this. Oh, okay, let's do it. Like. Because the brothers that I was with were converts, but they somehow knew and I knew other parts of the community. And we all just got together and we brought solutions. It wasn't about complaining. And I think that there's a, you know, I don't want to put them on the spot, but I, I will say that, for instance, like Imam Suhaib and I have often lamented that the converts of today, and I don't mean this is any disrespect, people change. Right? Mm. I think it's also maybe there's just a sea change or there's a change in the air, proverbially, or, so, or in the water. But the convert of today is is a different person than the convert of yesterday. Mm. And by that, we would echo the same sentiment. We just showed up because, like, where else are we going to go? <laughs> and we showed up because we felt like, well, I, be I belong here. Yeah. You know, sure. I mean... 
It was weird to go to some place where people are speaking a different language than you and eating different food from you and dress different, you know, from you. Sure, but um, that was just something to be navigated. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I feel that again, though times change, and now my question, because you know, the, a convenient straw man or a convenient boogeyman is to bellyache about the immigrants. And I hear, I'm just being honest, man. That's why I said I might need to go into the witness protection program. <laughs> I hear a lot of the indigenous and convert Muslim community in America like to bellyache a lot about the converts. <clears throat> well, you know, the, uh, you know, this or that. And I'm not saying that every, not, I mean, some of those complaints are perfectly uh, justifiable. Um, that being said, it's also human nature that when you invest your money in a thing, mm. then you are going to kind of want it to look like you and reflect you. Now, I'm I'm not saying that that excuses bad behavior, but, um, you know, people have been converting to Islam now for, for decades. And so where is there, you know, a real groundswell of like solid American Muslim, mm. you know, institutions and – uh, you know, like we'll fundraise for this or that uh, you know, group and, you know, you'll have, you know, Pakistani Muslim Association, Palestinian Muslim, Arab Association. Well, why isn't there like an American Muslim, like in terms of like, and we don't mean to, you know, we're not trying. And I'm not, and I'm, not, I'm not advocating for these things to actually fracture in the community. No. What I'm really trying to get at is that those of us that embrace Islam, particularly say a little more than a decade or so into our Islam, need to step up to the plate and take a more active role in shaping the Muslim community and the attitudes of the Muslim community instead of just simply complaining about it. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the, you know, when somebody asked me, how did you become imam? So, well, when people started calling me, I didn't call myself imam, Mark. <laughs> just one day people started, you know, it kind of had a progression. It was like, brother Mark. Then I remember one day somebody said, Usted. So then I kind of plused one on that. And then they were like, Imam Mark, and then it was like plus two. And then the other day somebody said Sheikh. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm only 50 years old. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I qualify for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, we have to take responsibility for uh, wanting to have our input as well. And what I have found is that overall, with, with some exception, generally they welcome it. Um, but we have to, we have to, you know, we have to come of age. But you know, bringing it back to the con, to the, to, the, to you, know, you know, and connecting it to the conversation about marriage. Um, marriage is a pickle for the American Muslim community on a number of levels, mm-hmm. and I see it front row and center as imam because people, you know, who want, you know, when somebody wants to get married, well, who do they call? They don't call Ghostbusters. No. They, they call Imam Mark, right? Will you do my nikah? Will you do my marriage? And I have seen a massive uptick in Muslims wanting to marry non-Muslims. Mm. Now, we can we can do just that. Mm. We can mm, the whole thing and we can shake our heads. But we have to also be somewhat pragmatic uh, in our understanding, not necessarily in our approval because I have issues with it. 
Uh, but we have to be realistic. We are 1% at best of the American population. Mm-hmm. And so that means that imagine if your son or your daughter goes to school or goes to college or just in everyday life, that means, and this is just a rough approximation, but if, for every 100 people that they see, like if you're, you have a son, every 100 girls that your son sees, one of them might be a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. You know, if you have a daughter, every hundred dudes she sees, maybe one out of a hundred is a Muslim. Right. And so that means all the all the enchants encounters and you know, mixing with that human nature and how people's hearts get attached to each other, it, it's inevitable. And so, you know, I've just done uh several weddings this year where uh the person married a, you know, they didn't, you know, it's not that they married a non-Muslim, right? So, for instance, there's been a couple weddings where there were some young Muslim girls who met a a, a Muslim, uh, uh, you know, or they, they met a dude. Let's mm-hmm. just say they met a dude <laughs> and there was some attraction there and they liked them. And, of course, alhamdulillah, I don't think I've had a single instance where it was a Muslim girl involved where she wanted to just, oh, I don't care, I'm going to marry him anyway, no matter what Islam says. And then so we had to kind of begin this process of, well, let's see if we can get the guy interested in Islam. And, you know, uh, in those best case scenarios, you know, she put her foot down and let him know, like, hey, look, I really like you and I want to do all this above board. And again, we can we can... We can have a conversation about free mixing and all these other things, but look, we have to also deal with realities on mm. the ground. And I don't mean changing the morality of the religion or contradicting anything that the Quran or what the Prophet said, but reality is also reality. You know, you know, right? <laughs> you know, reality is happening. And so uh, in a couple of these instances, they let the, the young man know, like, hey, look, there's only way, one way for this plane to take off. And you're gonna to have to become Muslim, and this, you know, for some of them, it was like a uh, almost like a year long process. Of right. Me sitting and talking with. My point is, if we want to improve the odds of our kids having only a one out of a hundred chance of maybe meeting another person of the opposite sex to get married, then we have to think about making our community. More intentional. And that means, you know, extending the notion of the community beyond the four walls of the masjid. Right. Uh, I mean, I have a daughter. She's 12. And in a few years, she'll be of the age where, you know, we're going to start to entertain those ideas. And I'll be honest. I'm scared to death. Not just because I'm a typical dad. But when I look out at the prospects, I'm like, I don't feel great confidence in how young men are being raised to take my daughter as their wife and to be responsible with them. And so I want to go beyond the bellyache. That's my concern. Okay, I have that concern. I mean, your kids are probably more grown than mine, but you know, you'll probably have grandkids about that age, right? right. So you'll have your concerns. What do we do beyond just being, you know, belly aching, right? Okay, we voice the concern. What's the next step? Right. And the 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 opposite issue is, and we'll get to that. 
there's definitely always the solutions, but it takes all the people, right? And their open-mindedness, if you will, or their creativity to facilitate the odds of our children getting married to, you know, Muslims. However, we'll find that the youth or a, a, a young man, a young woman are Muslim, they fall in love, yet the parents, you know, have some they got outcry some, they got about, some hey, issues. yeah, th- well, they're not of this culture, they're not from our people, they're not from this group, they're not, but or they're even, too or raised. Even, <laughs> or even when they are from the same culture, like I had a young, out of, you know, couple, because I have to do a little dragnet mm-hmm. joint here, I got to change the names to you know, protect the innocent, yeah, of course. right? But there was a young out of couple, or two, two, you know, two young out of kids. You know, when I say kids, I mean they're, you know, they're I think both in their junior year of college, so one year away from completing their undergrad. They met while at college. They kept everything halal. They went immediately to their parents. I met this guy and such and such. I don't want to do anything haram. But could you contact his family or you know the boy? Can you contact her family and? The family was basically like, nah, you got to finish your PhD. You got to go through another 10 years of school. You got to wait till you're like almost 40 years old and you have, you know, you know, 500 grand in your bank account. And you're driving a seven series. Being, I mean, like literally they had this list yeah. of insane demands. And so the kids convinced their parents to meet with me. And I said, okay, you know. Let me let me let me let me hear everybody voice their concerns. And so the parents are like, "Well, they're too young." I'm like, "Well, they're not too young to make zina. Mm. They're not too young to fornicate." You got it. Well, I said, "Look, let me just tell you, man. I mean, as well intended as your kids are, it's one thing for them, and they're good." I said, "Man, your kids are coming to you. They're not going behind your back. They're coming to you straightforward. But they're also telling you, like, hey, look, you know, it's hard for us. You know, we're on these. We're you know, we're living in this society." The tabaraj, right? The, the the nudity is insane. We need this as a protection. Right. And so I said to them, I said, are you paying, like the boy's family, are you paying for his apartment? Yeah. Are you paying for his school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I asked the girl's family, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, if they do nikah, if they do an Islamic marriage, where they can just be together and they don't have to worry about haram, and you still, like, what has changed? No, 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 he can't, he can't. I said, look, you know, then he started, you know, I forget where they're from, Egypt, Palestine. I don't remember where I was from. I said, well, son, you ain't in Kansas no more, man. Yeah. You're in California. <laughs> you know, you're not back home. And we we talked about this, right? This this fealty, and I, I get it, you know. Uh, uh, I may not get it on the same level they do, but I, I think I understand. They come from a culture, and their culture is the primary. I think you can almost put it like this: like Muslims that come from abroad, their culture is like AI. Okay, it does the thinking for them <laughs> religiously. Sure, it's like this kind of it's this kind of AI that does all of their religious thinking for them. But just like with the AI, sometimes that joker is like gives you a, a wrong answer. A little right? off there. It's a little off. It's not 100% on the ball. And so I I told him, I said, you know, I appreciate that sentiment. And if we lived back home, 
or we were able to create some simulacrum of that here, then I would be more inclined to indulge that sensibility. But we absolutely do not. So I said, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to now talk. I'm going to talk from the disposition of Imam. And my concern is purely the salvation of their souls. Right. You have two young Muslims that want to live full lives of obedient and observant Muslims. They want your blessing in this because they don't want to obey you. Mm. Most importantly, they do not want to obey Allah and His Messenger. They don't want to do that. And the only thing that is inhibiting this is your stubborn, misguided commitment to a set of values that are in many ways inapplicable to this context. So we went back and forth. I said, all right, you know what? Have a nice life. You're not going to give your kids their blessing. I told them, I said, hey, you know, sorry, man. You know, may Allah Ta'ala strengthen your iman and keep you committed. But I said, if one of your kids messes up, you know, the girl gets knocked up, na'udhu billah, may Allah prevent it. If the boy knocks up some girl or whatever, do not call me. Right. Because I, at that point, there is nothing that I can do to fix that. Yeah. You are ruined. I said, clearly, like, they really like each other. They seem to have some genuine, you know. I mean, you know, al-ikfa is, there's a hadith, and there's some question about the, the senate, but there's one hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu you know, talked about the ikhtiyar and the ikhfa. Like, choose somebody that is a good choice for you, for you to mate with, and that you get along with. Not that they have this title and this degree. I'm not belittling them. I mean, obviously, education is important, but it's just a, it's just a tool and a means to something else. What good does it? And I, you and I can probably we know, man. We know people that got married. And they had all the boxes checked. Right. And they were miserable. And then their kids are miserable. And on and on. You know, they like each other. They seem to get along really great. They're good kids. They're good Muslims. What? I said, man, I know dozens of Muslim parents that would be begging for children like this, whose kids went yeah. the other routes. Yeah. Right? Their kids went yeah. the other route. It's like a present wrapped up, put on your doorstep. Uh, when your kids are pretty honest about it and they're looking to get married, right? Right. The the idea here is, I think, for a lot of parents, they're they're trying to look too too far into the future. Well, what if they're not going? You know, what if this happens? The what if? The what if? What if they get divorced? Is going to be shamed? And on and on and on. And again, you know, as a side note, divorces in haram in Islam. If that does it, but yeah, you're that's thinking a, that's too a very far, much you know. misquoted and oh, the, the the most hated thing that's permissible, uh, the, the the thing that Allah hates the most that's permissible is divorce. This is used to not only bludgeon people into staying in divorce when they're they're clearly contravening the you know the verse uh, you know that Allah Taala said mm-hmm. what and if. If you know, uh, you know, uh, when when the time has come of the idda period, like a couple is having an issue, they separate, and then you get to the decision making point where either you're going to go, either keep them, or either you're going to take them back, 
and behave amicably and work your problems out, or in the case that you cannot, then it's also وَفَارِقُهُنَّ بِمَعْرُوفِ Right? Or split up amicably. And this notion that, I mean, I mean, in many ways, many Muslims today are more Catholic than Catholics mm. on the idea that divorce is somehow shameful or uh, a woman is not a virgin. Virginity is a subset of chastity. Now, obviously, for people that ain't never been married, then yes, virginity is the focus and it's what's important. Mm. But if a person only uh, engaged in sexual activity inside the so-called institute of, uh, of, of marriage, and then they divorce, that person is not damaged goods. The Prophet ﷺ married his first wife, Khadija, who was not a virgin. Mm. And so I feel like, you know, where is all, all and what are people going to think? What are you, you know, number one, what is Allah going to think? <laughs> yeah, we afraid of Allah, we afraid of the community. You know, and what are your kids going to think? I, I I forget who I was talking with not that long ago, and they were saying how that they, you know, they grew up in a, in, in a really bad household. On the outside, they grew up very affluent. You know, their parents, I think, were from a Desi background. And I, I'm not hammering on the Desis here. I mean, Desi, Arab, you know, Turkish, whatever. We see this in all instances. But just in this case, you know, it's like <clears throat> typical situation. Uh, very, very well-educated Desi family. Uh, both the mom and the dad worked, ultra-educated, making really good money, and can't get along. And behind closed doors are both fighting like dogs from time to time or these long stretches of just emotional dead space. Mm. And when it finally got so bad and the dad came to the kids and is like, your mom and I are going to divorce. You're like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We wanted you. We wanted to tell you guys a long time ago, just divorce. And again, I'm not saying this to casually. No. no. The first thing that Allah encourages, obviously, is for people to reconcile. Yep. So don't anybody misunderstand what I'm saying here. But to take things to almost you <clears throat> negate that it's almost yep. like mansukh that you abrogate that you know. And so, what leads to this? Right, what is it that's leading to? Because uh, you know, we say today, you know, half of people that get married divorced, and now Muslims are having this massive uptick. That's true, but the reasons why Muslims might be divorcing at close to the same rate as non-Muslims that are divorcing doesn't necessarily mean it's for the same reasons. Right, and so I, I certainly think that one of the reasons why. Uh, Muslims are having that trouble is that maybe back home where there was a different, just a different atmosphere here, people are open to the potential of happiness in a different way. Right. Um, whether we like it or not. And so um, being forced to marry somebody, just as like sometimes, you know, they're forced to become a doctor. Like I knew one dude, he was like, man, my parents made me become a doctor. And he was like, I hate medicine and I hate working a doctor. And I, you know, and so, you know, forcing your kids into these things yeah. where they're going to be miserable and make their kids miserable and other people around them miserable. And then that 
is going to impact the community. I know many people that don't come to the masjid because they're unhappy in their marriages. And so they just check out of everything. Mm. You know, they just completely check out of everything. Yeah. Um, the the social pressure, uh, it, 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 it's hard, but... But like you said, insisting, like, well, you know, we're Pakistani, so you must marry a Pakistani girl or boy, or we are Egyptian or Nigerian, and you must marry a Nigerian or an Egyptian, you know, boy or girl. If you're in Nigeria, it makes sense. Especially in a in a place where it's pretty much homogenous, but right. you're in America. I think again that kind of fealty to your culture is going to come at the price sure. of the continuity of Islam in your family. So the the reverse, you know, a, a, a mental process of reversing that type of thinking is instead of what if they what if this happens in the negative light? What if this happens? What if that happens? They get divorced. They're not happy. All these issues that you that we conjure up, and we're not you know that's way into the future that we don't even have no idea about. We might think of the process of, well, what if they're hap- happily married forever? Uh, what if they have great grandchildren? Or uh, what if they have this great life? That what if why, why don't we think oppositely <laughs> into the what if positive mm-hmm. instead of this what if negative, right? And so you know it's hard as parents. We just don't want to give up that, that control, <laughs> but actually yeah. we need to give it. These are adults. Most of them are adults already. Yes. Maybe early twenties, but that's okay. We just, but I think we, that's the infantilization. I think we have a problem. Uh, I think we have a problem today of parents. They want to infantilize their children mm. far into adulthood. And the, and of course they're aided and abetted by the culture that we have that also doesn't want people to grow up and take responsibility. Yeah. And that and, and to be fair, another issue is particularly Muslim dudes that just don't want to get married. No. They're into their thirties and we know that they're doing what they're doing, you know, in, in, you know, on the side or whatnot. And it's like they don't want to have responsibility. Right. You know, yeah. they don't want to have that, you know, commitment um, yeah. because they've also been fed, a, a, you know, again, like I said, it's, it's the same thing with community. I think a lot of the problem is people's misplaced expectations. And so people avoiding marriage, I think a lot of it has to do with misplaced expectations. Oh, man, I, I don't want that because marriage is going to be this. Well, like if you're watching, you know, Andrew Tate or, you know, any of these other people online, uh, you know, if you're attending his hustler university, um, then you know that's going to be that's going to be uh, or that's going to have a great influence on why you misunderstand what marriage is. Right, and that's and and, and that goes for the girls too. You know, um, this idea that a man is there just uh, yes, a man should provide, but that's not why a man is only there. Mm. You know, obviously, a man should provide. Allah Taala and His Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, have clearly made that uh, uh, an important uh, part of uh, of manhood. Definitely, but that's also not why we were created. Uh, and that, as you spoke in the verse in Suturum, that Allah Taala made for you both mawadda and rahma to be between you. 
Well, if all you're doing is working, 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 where is the mawadda and the rahmah? Mm. You know, so I think, you know, because, you know, there, there are some women that get mad at their, no, again, if a dude ain't working because he just don't want to work, okay, that's a different story. But just because he works 25 hours a day and eight days a week doesn't mean that life is great just because he's working all the time. Right. So we had a scenario, and you've heard it a lot, but we'll just present it in a <clears throat> obscured way. Um, we have a family. Their daughter falls in love with this man. Let me go get my strap. Young guy. Let me go get the gauge. <laughs> just, and uh, the parents aren't happy. They're from two different ethnic groups. The, the 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 couple and they're adults working one's in school one's working the daughter the dad doesn't mind too much the mom is just flipping out no they can't marry from no the boy is the and on and on and on on the other hand the mother of the boy the young man she's the same no she, he can't marry her and she has her excuses. He hasn't finished school yet. He can't even provide for her. And so the daughter says, Hey, uh, I'm working. I'll take care of him for the meantime. I, and so the point is, is that, you know, these scenarios keep playing out, playing out all over the planet, but we're in America and they're preventing these couples from marrying and making up excuses after excuses. So, what is what would be the alternative? And I'm asking you because we brought this up. The negative alternative for these two, or in general, the young, the youth, not getting married, the girl goes off and does what? The guy goes off and does what? So the haram here, the potential haram, is that then she goes and marries a non-Muslim. And we'll talk about it for sisters in general right now. If she marries a non-Muslim male what's the implications here i think we're gonna end this episode right here (laughs) thank you for tuning in you've been listening to the middle ground podcast my name is bob jones i have no idea what you're talking about uh i mean to be honest and to be blunt uh and i don't mean to when i say blunt i'm not saying uncaring but just the, the the unrepentant truth a Muslim woman is not allowed to marry a non-Muslim man, and therefore a Muslim woman that would engage in marriage would be an act of kufr, and every sexual act in that uh, relationship would be an act of zina, would be fornication. Mm. And so, you know, those are the stakes. You know, because that's why I said when I told that family, I'm I'm trying to talk about, you know. The salvation of people's souls. Man. So, um, and that's why I said there comes a point where we all have our culture. I mean, I got my culture as an American, as a black American, as a Midwesterner. I have all those things. But none of them are worth the salvation of my daughter's soul. I might say, well, you know what? I want my daughter to bury a black man because, you know, that's, you know, and whatever. And I, I, if that's like my top choice, there's nothing haram with that per se. 
Right. But if I go to the point where I'm going to essentially contravene the statement of the Prophet, I said him, where he said, right? That the the best form of marriage is the one that's easy for it to come about. Yes. Uh, or in another narration, the best dowry or gift to be given to actualize the marriage is the one that's easiest. Mm. And so if we are going to uh, either confound or consternate, you know, uh, uh, make difficult the process of people getting married, then we're kind of like ac- accessory to a crime. Wow. A major um, crime. You know, and so, yes, the Sharia says A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z. But what are we doing to help people make choices and give them the broadest avenue possible so that they can actualize those things in a way that will be pleasing to themselves and pleasing to Allah? And those mm-hmm. are don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, there's the verse where Allah says, Kuntum... And so, you are, the translation, what? You are the best community brought out for all of humanity. Now, we tend to think like, ah, we Muslims are the best for all of humanity as if that excludes ourselves and that we are not part of humanity. Mm. So it's great to think about we're the best community for all, for all, like for, for not, I didn't say like little kufar or little kafirin or little ghayl al-muslimin. No, linnas. You're the best community for all of humanity. Well, you are a part of humanity. Mm. What is the first thing that Allah Ta'ala mentions? The first thing is, is what? Ta'muruna bil ma'ruf. And you will find this word in the Quran used many, 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 many times. Ma'ruf, ma'ruf, ma'ruf. Well, you know, if we were to translate this, what, what is generally good to be known? What is generally common sense applied? Ma'ruf, ma'ruf. You know, uh, you know, uh, ma'ruf for your for your parents. Be good to your parents. With treat them with ma'rufan. Treat them well, according to like common sense knowledge. My point is that. You know, we often uh, think of this verse as some service to those other than us. And we disclude ourselves as being a part of all of humanity. Mm. So the first thing, if we are the best community for all of humans, including Muslims, and the first thing that we do is to call to good, then don't make marriage difficult. Make marriage easy. Yeah. Follow, you know... You know, man, let one of these white folk, let one of these Europeans, these non-Muslim Kafirs, draw a picture of the Prophet. Say, so everybody will be going completely bonkers. But let somebody not only disobey the Prophet, but create a culture and an attitude that is actually mukhalafa, that is opposed to the Sunnah. Everybody goes to sleep, gets a good night's sleep. Nobody is having any anxiety. Over that whatsoever. And right. we definitely have a problem. Again, I am sympathetic that you came from somewhere else. If your priority in life was to be Egyptian, Nigerian, Indonesian, whatever your joint is, then you should have stayed in that zip code. But to come to a place 
where you are one percent of that population, and I, and I and I say we're one percent as Muslims, not as Indonesian Muslims, Arab Muslims, right. Black Muslims, White Muslims, <laughs> as Mexican Muslims, just as Muslims, let alone chopping up that one percent of them. Mm-hmm. Then, and then too, I mean, clearly the the Prophet Sallam in the establishing of the community of the Muslims in Medina was to create. And this is something that uh, I really want to mention this because when he created Salah Medina, he created something that was very cosmopolitan. Mm. I think that in the modern context, one of the things that has inhibited, it's not nothing to do with science. Why is the Muslim world behind the non-Muslim world? Now, it ain't got nothing to do with science. Because as a matter of fact, you come over here, all of the scientists and engineers here, you could throw one rock in a room and you'll hit two Muslims, mm. right? So it ain't got nothing to do with our inability to comprehend you know, mathematics and physics and science. But we, don't, we no longer have a cosmopolitan spirit. And that's something that the Kafir still has, even with all of his or her, with Chuck and Janet and all their kufr and their heresy and their nonsense. They do have a spirit of cosmopolitanism it still might come with a little bit of racism, but at the end of the day, it's like, look, we will take the best and the brightest from anywhere. We might abuse you a little bit, especially the darker the hue that your skin gets, but we will have you come here and you will build our roads and build our airplanes and build our technology and build, 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 right? And you will contribute. And, you know, generally speaking, we will take advantage of that. Whereas the Muslim world, I think one of the, if I could have an audience with, the Muslim leaders of the world is like abandon this nationalism. I wish yeah. I could have a seat at, and just talk to Muhammad and bin Salman yeah. just for like 20 minutes <laughs> and be like, you know what? You want to be the king? Fine. I will give you bay'ah. I will pledge my allegiance to you if you abandon this tribalism and you embrace the cosmopolitan spirit of Islam and the Sunnah. Mm. Because then you can bring the brightest Muslims from everywhere and build a glorious society of which you can be the cherry on the top. I have no problem with that. You want to be the king? Fine. But be a real king. Mm. Be a Muslim king. I have no problem with you being Amir al-Mu'minin. If you do it right. Mm. You know, when I was in Philly, man, there was this one dude. He was uh, originally from Russia. And in his family history, they were Muslim. But I think in the immediate history with, you know, communism and whatnot, his family left Islam. But he came to America and he was doing his PhD. And so this dude, I was at Philly. I was in Philly working in IT. But I was the, I was the Muslim chaplain, right? So I would give these talks from time to time. And this guy just reached out to me one day. His name was... Alex, and he had some, I can't pronounce his last name. No. Some Russian last name, right? And he's like, I really want to meet with you. I'm working on my dissertation. And so we met, and I really felt bad. We kind of lost contact, but he was a brilliant guy. May Allah guide him. He was doing a piece about the, the essentially, the brilliance of Islam. And he, he had this term he called like rhizomaticity. He said, he said Islam is like a rhizome. Now, a rhizome, if you're familiar, you take like a, a like turmeric or ginger, right? And when you put it in the ground, its roots expand and spread. And then, so that's when you pull out of the ground. It's got these crazy roots that point and go everywhere. He said, Islam 
is like a rhizome. It can adapt to any environment. Yeah. And he said, that's why you guys used to be on top. Because Islam was able to take the Persians and Islamicize it. And take, you know, the Africans and Islamicize it. And take the Musta'arab, the, the Byzantine people that later became Arabized. And the Malays, you know, and the archipelago. And he said, Islam has this rhizomaticity thing. To I wish I could track him down. It was such a beautiful and brilliant observation. And I'm like, this dude is not even Muslim, but sees the beauty of what Islam could offer again in a world that that needs to have cosmopolitanism. So you talk about this problem. Well, I want he's Pakistani, so you gotta marry a Pakistani girl, and you gotta marry an Egyptian girl. And gotta, where is the rhizomaticity, the, the the cosmopolitan spirit that you're going to have to ask yourself at the end of the day, do I want my kid to go to Jannah or Jahannam? Right. And if they marry, you know, if they marry some, you know, white convert, half uh, Mexican, this or that, or, you know, Nigerian marries this or at the end of the day, if they're mu'minun and muslimun, and they get to go to paradise, and you're all there, then what's the issue? And two... If they wind up being 100% Palestinian or 100% Egyptian or 100% you know Malaysian or 100% whatever, but they're in the hellfire and you there with them, mm. then I don't see the consolation prize. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> part of the building of the community is having that network and having individuals within that community that are able to oh, let me back up a little bit so i really get and I, now i'm speaking to converse here i really get um marrying the right person and having a support network behind you to decipher that because as converts well we don't really have we before islam in islam we didn't have a network of well, let me talk to the family on your behalf and see, you know, and let me see what their background is and what everyone's background. No, she's beautiful. He's cool looking. I like his tattoos or, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. And and that's it. And I like his car or she's so gorgeous. And we weren't really focused on the family and all that comes with marriage. So for Converse, we're not used to that concept of like, you know, Oh, I should know their family? Yeah, you should know their yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you should know not just her, but, you know, what's going on on a broader, uh, in a broader spectrum. So in the community, there should, you know, a tight-knit community, there should be that uh, means to facilitate this family gathering when people want to get married. So in other words, there should be, if you will, the matriarch sisters that know a lot of the community there we have those you know they're my wife she knows a lot of people around oh yeah well let me talk on your behalf and let me talk to the mom first and then so there's this intermediary that should be happening or like you know i mean imagine if you have i mean you have, you know your kids are more more but imagine let's say you had a, a son roughly around the same age of my daughter and they get to that age well you know you and i come here we pray together 
We hang out together. We break bread with one another. We do a podcast with one. Like we get to, we we know each other very very well. So if one day you come to me and say, my son, you know, would like to talk to you, or even I might come to you and say, hey, uh, Dawood, um, what do you think about your son and my daughter? Right. You know, instead of playing Russian roulette, <laughs> you know, um, I know I'm I'm very serious, yeah. right? It, you know, that's what I mean. You know, when we read the verses about, yeah, Oh, you who believe. Don't take the Jews and your Christians as your guardians. Because, you know, especially, yes, a Muslim man can marry a Jewish or a Christian woman. Uh, but our, our girls can't. And so it's, you know, is that, it's permissible, but it's not ideal. Right. Right, it's not ideal. The court, and if you read all of their verses about marriage, about what uh, you know, mu'minun, you know, uh, you know, abdun mu'minun is a khairu min min kafira. Right, that that a uh, mushrika uh, that if a, if a, a a believing slave is better for you than a, a, a disbelieving woman, though, you know, even though that she you know tantalizes you, um, we have to start playing three dimensional chess. With each other, so that you know we give our kids the best shot. Now, I mean, of course, you know, things can happen, but you know, like we talked in our in our in our in our episode on health, are we? Is there is there a measure of self sabotage mm-hmm. in this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Are we sabotaging ourselves and therefore our children? Uh, are we building infrastructure to provide them, <clears throat> you know, the best possible option? I mean, you can get mad that your kid, you know, met, you know, little Susie or little Johnny, but what did we do to provide them? There you go. You know, uh, and so. Well, I think like you hit on right there, the, one of the biggest things is to know each other. The brothers should be knowing each other at the masjid. That means you're going to the masjid, you're praying, you might even stay a little bit to talk to some of the brothers, Right. I know we're busy. We got to rush back to work on uh, Salat al-Juma or, you know, but. No, one of, my, one of my gripes has been, and I, I have complained about this, and, uh, and, then, and now I'm going to get, keep it real, real. Uh, and then I am going to go away somewhere in a desert <laughs> island. Is, uh, no, I was talking to my friend Shakir about this the other day, and we've had this conversation many, many times. So mm-hmm. both he and I are, you know, black American Muslims. We're both African American and we were complaining about, you know, we've been Muslim a long time. Both of us have been Muslim over 30 years. And that we, when it comes to the immigrant community, mm. we said, man, <clears throat> sure, we might not be their number one choice for our son or daughter to marry. But, you know, we get invited to their house for dinner. And so there's opportunities mm. because of their generosity and their hospitality even though we might not be the number one and that's i don't have to be your number one you're mm. you're from a different culture than i am i get it your, your number one is from your culture mm. but because we get invited for dinner and these other things that it opens the door to some possibility i said man when was the last time you had any black folk you know invite you over and make some food for you and connect your wife with my wife. That's mm-hmm. one of my, I said, and he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we were both complaining that, you know, 
as converts, we don't support each other. We can complain about the so-called immigrant Muslims, which is you know getting to be a little bit old now at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, no, I mean, converts don't even support each other to where our own wives don't even know each other. Right. You know? But then we're going to complain about this or that. No. And so Allah says that the men are qawwamuna ala We are the supporters of... And so I think, you know, brothers should you know, definitely make an effort to encourage their wives to get to know one another. Yeah. Even if that has to mean that, you know what, uh, we make certain events at our masajid that are women only so the women can, you know, fine, we can all go fishing. We can go up in the log sure. cabin in the woods or, <laughs> you know, go bowling or, you know, we we can step out for a minute. Right. Let the women come in so they can be relaxed because you, you got a bunch of men around and let them get to know one another. And encouraged to have genuine fraternity, mm. I mean, sorority with sorority. one another, right? Have genuine sisterhood, you know, with one another. Um, yeah. You know, we, 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 we also have to, you know, I'll be honest too, man. I know for sure, man, I'm going to catch it. But I, I, in my experience, men are a lot easier to get along with. <laughs> like men can meet each other and not know each other and be like <laughs> real cool. Because my wife says it all the time. Oh, you know that guy? Like, no, I don't know him. Oh, you were talking to him? Like, yeah, because that's what men are. Men men can meet other dudes and like, hey, man, what's up? It's cool. We, you know, we, we're, that's it. We're good to go. <laughs> women, it's like, Rawr. it's yeah. like, man, they, it's, you know, even my wife will tell you, like, women are a lot more catty. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying all, maybe not for bad reasons, but again, we have to, we have to manage the community mm. to be the way that we want it to be. Mm. And that, uh, if our kids are going to get married and have good prospects, we as the parents want to be in on that decision-making process, but we also want to help facilitate and build avenues and, and conduits for them to do so. Right. And that, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we need the men and the women to all be on board. And, and, and of course, you know, we have to know each other. We have to genuinely yeah. like one another, trust yeah. one another. Yeah. You know, and going back to our, our coin terminology here of, Heart set, mindset, and I think as parents, we really need to get that correct so we can support our 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 children. We that's what we're you know it's like you said it's kind of a sabotage. We're there to support them, but in this area, the marriage area, well, hold on now, we're going to reel that back in a little bit, and I'm just going to manage that whole thing, and it doesn't work that way, especially when they're at that age of adulthood. Where it's like, okay, I need to let them make their choice and make because they're going to go home together. I'm not going to be going with them, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? exactly. So even yeah. if I marry them, who I feel is suitable, right? I'm still not going to be going to their house. I mean, to I'm, live, I, right? I mean of course, if, you know, inshallah, when my daughter gets married, I don't want her going through that process unaided, you know, right. without my input or oversight on that. Of course, but at the same time, like. You know, I ain't trying to raise no boomerangs neither. <laughs> you know, so you ain't, you know, you and your husband ain't coming to live with me ultimately, <laughs> right? So here? it has to be somebody you like and get along with, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, we, we so the, our mindset, uh, I think parents' <laughs> mindset is, you know, I'm not saying be liberal, but I am saying, you know, there is this type of, okay, I got to be a little bit more open-minded to the choices of my, my, my our children and, you know, kind of support that, Um. I mean, I would, I would even be more, you know, emphatic. Stop being selfish. 
What well, and the and, ultimate goal and, and, is and like stop you said. sabotaging your kids just because the person that they're interested in comes from a different village or zip code. From we, you. I'm we, sorry. we ultimately want, like you said, the greater good is what that they're happy to get to Jannah. That they're they as a couple are facilitating the means to practice their deen properly and get to the paradise. And I also think that we should exploit the. Um, the sentiment that's in the air. So, you know, obviously diversity today is a huge thing. And our kids are going to be reared and raised in in a culture that prizes diversity as a virtue. Mm. And when you are not diverse in your outlook, then that can be equivalent to being, you know, a negative. And so I think actually we should exploit that. I think, you know, um, I think it, and I can't tell you how many Muslims that, uh, wanted to marry somebody, you know, forget about marrying a, a person that wasn't even Muslim yet. I'm talking about people that are already Muslim, but from a different ethnic group, and they wanted to marry, and the parents just like, no, because you are not from that ethnic group. That caused problems in that person's iman. Yeah. To where it's like, man, you know, I was always told Islam is great, 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 great. And then I got told this. And because, you know, again, and, and not not for wrong reasons, but again, being raised in a climate of where diversity is a virtue, and now you're being told, now you, you, you can't do that because you're, that, I, I think, if anything, again, as long as it's something that Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger have made permissible, then khayru nikah ayisaruhu. The best marriage is the one that's easy. Yeah. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to quote people of poor character, but there's somebody that once said, "Get out the way." <laughs> I don't know who said it, so you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, you keep pushing us further, further into these <laughs> desert man to hide out. <laughs> yes, we're gonna come at our door. Yeah, we're 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 in the desert fortress <laughs> at this point now. Yeah, these are some of the topics, though, that we're trying to bring to to the community here and, and, and voice them and come with solutions. And, you know, because if it's if it's the elephant in the room and nobody wants to talk about it on a on a in a broader sense, then, you know, it just stays there and nothing gets done and the community suffers. So that reservoir is important. It's of utility. It needs to be maintained. It needs to be cleaned and cleared out. And, uh, and we're the guys to do that <laughs> and, and do it and do it with intention, you know, do it with, with intention. intention. <clears throat> and I think, uh, you know, even in those verses, like in Surah At-Talaq, uh, you know, Allah says, you know, and be open-minded because perhaps, you know, even if you do wind up separating, don't think that it's the end. This is addressing people, mm you know, who would ultimately perhaps divorce is that, you know, you know perhaps Allah will bring about something good. Mm-hmm. So just because your kid, you know, one, don't assume because you're, if, you know, if you are, you know, Syrian and your kid marries another Syrian that, oh, it's just a guarantee mm. or that it's even the best choice that, you know, look and see, are they really happy? Right. You know, um, you know, don't, don't, don't be afraid to, um, I mean, it's like, I, I you know, uh, you know, we're kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but just you know, be be open to the cosmopolitan spirit of Islam. You know, um, that's right. I'm dead enough. Well, now that we've solved that problem, inshallah, we'll be back in the next episode with some some more 
one pot wonder, easy recipe, simple <laughs> solutions. I love it. How good is that? Yeah. You've been listening to the Middle Ground Podcast. Your host, man, Mark Manley, and brother Daoud Aleman. We hope you enjoyed spending time listening to some of our thoughts, ideas, and observations about our community, talking about marriage and the importance of marriage and the future of our community. We welcome all comments and feedback, as well as any other suggestions you have for topics for future episodes, and we hope to revisit the topic and the conversation of community again in another episode shortly from another angle. But for now, signing off. Assalamualaikum.